Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalist Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show as I speak. It's Friday, April 28th, 2023. Here's a headline. Breaking news uh, in the New York Times. Give you a sense of what's going on in the world as I begin this conversation. And this is an ongoing theme uh, in American politics for the last really, well, for as long as my distinguished guest has been alive. Uh, I would say uh, my distinguished guest is of the millennial persuasion. Uh, And uh, so here's the headline in the New York Times. North Carolina Supreme Court reverses itself on gerrymandering case. I'll boil it down for you, ladies and gentlemen. I don't expect you to know the ins and outs of Chicago politics, let alone the ins and outs of North Carolina politics. The rules were one way and they were uh, not benefiting the Republicans. So they changed the rules. They changed the rules on redistricting to make it easier for Republicans to gerrymander. They're going to redo the maps uh, and give Republicans even a greater advantage than they already have. And I point this out for all my misguided friends of the goo goo good government persuasion who somehow or other convinced themselves it's a good idea for the state of Illinois or the city of Chicago to adapt fair maps. Guys, there are when are you going to drop this? When are you going to learn that Republicans play the game one way and you play it another way? They play to win. I don't know what you guys played it to do. You run around and lose weight. I have no idea why you played the game. Republicans, they they didn't like the map, the fair map making they had in North Carolina. So the Supremes, uh, the Supreme Court filled with MAGA people, they just cooked up some excuse to change the maps. If there is no uh, legitimate legal justification for it, they don't care. They'll cook up another. That's another thing. Dems, stop pretending like Republican justices have like any compelling judicial ideology undermining them. They're just writing their decisions in order to win the case that's in front of them to help stay in power. The faster you learn that, Dems, the better off you'll be. And I don't want to hear about your friends on the bi- bipartisan initiatives and how many friends you have of Republicans, all that. 
No blue states, no red states rhetoric of the 2004 Obama speech at the Democratic Convention is as outdated as the Jerry Springer show. That's the only thing I can think of because I just saw his headline in the Sun uh, Sun Times. All right, we're not going to talk Jerry Springer right now. I've talked about him a lot today. Instead, we're going to talk all kinds of Donald Trump. What's the word? Bad behavior. Uh, I guess I'll just do a use a euphemism there, and I'll ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself, and then away we go. Distinguished guest, introduce yourself. So distinguished. Um, hi, Ben and Nate. Uh, it's Joanna Klonsky. I'm glad to be back, making my grand return to the Ben Jarofsky Show after a slight hiatus of several years. I don't yes. know. When was I on uh, last? It's been a while. Well, you, uh, I don't know. Now you asked me that question. I'd have to look it up. Uh, I think you were on with Elena at some point, Elena Hampton. I, I can't remember. I do seven shows a week, Joanna. I am a booking machine. Uh, I'm obsessively talking politics, sports, and culture just around the clock. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm talking. Uh, Joanna's an old friend. I've known her parents for years and years. I knew Joanna when she was like five or something like that. Uh, and I watched her career as she blossomed in one of the um, most influential political strategists in the city of Chicago. Uh, she was a key campaign. I don't know if it was campaign, but uh, a, a strategist, media strategist, I guess that's the word, uh, for Mayor Lori Lightfoot. And we kind of took a hiatus, uh, Joanna. Used to come on the show all the freaking time when I was on the radio. After I got Probably fired, too much. Uh, no, not too much. Uh, and uh, stood by me after I got fired. We'll always love all Klonskis for that. Uh, and very loyal human being I am. Uh, and uh, they're very loyal to me. So, um, yeah, we just said, yeah, you know what? I'm not really feeling Lori life with that much. So why don't we just? Take a little uh, distance. While, I got uh, banned. I got banned from the Ben Jarowski show. I was you got canceled. In the closet until yeah. now. I didn't know no, her. I never saw her. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, there's still a couple weeks to the Lori Lightfoot uh, regime, so maybe we'll hold off on the deep dive about Lori Lightfoot and uh, we'll uh, figure everything out at another interview. Uh, but immediately I, I contacted Joanna this week because we used to do a segment uh, – I, what was it called, man? Men, I know it the wasn't creep, men, the creep the, report. Yes, and Doctor D Dennis, uh, when he was my producer, what up, D? Uh, we had some great music that he would play for the creep report. Uh, it was, it, but then I think it got we got banned from playing it because it was copyright. But it was Creep, the song Creep by TLC, that which is was a big song when I was in like I don't know, I'm gonna say third grade. Uh, yes, that was the song. I, of course, didn't know it because uh, Joanna was third grade. Because you were not in third grade at the time. <laughs> yeah. I was like making up dances to the song. You missed uh, that era. I missed that era, but when I was in third grade, I was dancing to Paul Revere and the Raiders. I just made that up. I have no idea if I was doing that. Um, and so the Creep Report was basically uh, men behaving badly. Uh, the Me Too era was boom, was just like it was like every week, every day, it seemed like there was another uh, revelation and we would break them down, analyze them. Uh, and so the revelation right now, which uh, apparently I'm the only one in the country who cares about me and E. Jean Carroll, uh, is that uh, e. e. Jean Carroll has finally prevailed right on E. Jean Carroll, a great writer in her day. People forget this. 
she was an outstanding magazine writer, advice columnist, and she was a celebrity. She's on the TV. Uh, and uh, in the 1990s, uh, uh, she uh, says that Donald Trump raped her. Uh, and uh, she kept the story secret for a long time. Uh, and then it finally broke a few years ago. We could go into all that. We've talked a lot about it on the show. And her case and her trial is right now going on in New York. So, Joanna, just think about this. You're a political strategist. You've worked in many campaigns. Uh, you've worked for many different politicians. The Republican Party is being is led uh, by a man who uh, is being accused right now of rape. On trial right now, Eugene Carroll is testifying uh, under oath that Donald Trump raped her doesn't seem to have any impact whatsoever on American politics. You told me before we did the show, you said, no, Ben, nobody cares. I think you were just um, exaggerating hyperbole uh, when you said that. Some people, yeah, I just want to say, it's not that nobody cares. It's that what I said is that people for whom Donald Trump is a possible person that they would ever consider voting for, they're not going to be dissuaded by this. That's just not how they roll. Yes, uh, even though they really strongly believe in law and order for everybody else, uh, but not in law and order for Donnie. Uh, all right, why don't you just start with your general thoughts about uh, the first couple of days of the trial uh, and uh, how E. Jean Carroll has handled herself uh, on the witness stand, uh, both under direct and cross-examination by Trump's lawyer. Go ahead. Okay, but first, I have to let my dog out of this room so he doesn't cry throughout the whole interview and That's disrupt. Hilarious. George Goodbye. Bailey. Goodbye, George <laughs> Bailey. Um, okay, so first of all, this case is really important for a number of reasons. It's not going to be the reason that Donald Trump becomes or doesn't become president of the United States again, is my, is my opinion. But it is a very important test case in general, namely for this the way that Eugene Carroll is suing and by the way it's it's a civil case i think that's important to note he's not um he's not on this is not a criminal trial he's there's not a scenario in which he becomes found guilty of rape in a criminal case it's a civil trial and and what's important about this is that it's it's being tried under this brand new law it's a test it's can you guys hear him the dog okay um sorry uh it's 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 this brand new law called the Adult Survivors Act that was passed in New York just last year. Um, and it, what it does is it creates um, adults who say they were sexually harassed, uh, sexually assaulted years ago, a one-time, what's called like a look-back window, to sue those who abused them, um, even if the period that the uh, assault allegedly took case is, you know, from, uh, is past the statute of limitations, if the statute of limitations has expired for a long time. So that's how she's doing this. Allegedly, the assault took place in 95 or 96. She's not 100% sure about that, which is, of course, something that the Trump folks have really latched onto. Um, so it was a long time ago. She didn't come forward until 2019. And the way in which she's able to actually pursue this civil suit is through that Adult Survivors Act. Um, it's a really important law. What we know about sexual assault or assault in general or abuse in general is that sometimes survivors remember it in bits and pieces. It comes back together for them later. They remember new details. They're too traumatized to talk about it for years at a time. 
And, you know, it is true that we, we, what we've seen, and there's lots of evidence to back this up, is that survivors of rape, years and years later, find the ability to finally t- tell their story and to seek justice. But very often, the statute of limitations has already passed. So that's something, there are, there are, of course, implications for Trump and for the presidency. But I think this Adult Survivors Act is a really important piece of it that we need to talk about, just in general, and that other states need to look at passing similar legislation, because this is addressing a core problem that comes up for survivors again and again. Do we have such an act in Illinois? I should know this, but I can't remember. You know, it's funny. I was just asking somebody right before I came on. It sounds like we have some pieces of it in place, but not the full shebang. So certainly something to consider for the future. Um, uh, It sounds like there's a version of it here, but it's the, the New York one is really being held up as the model. All right, I'll break uh, momentarily to give a message to uh, State Representative Kelly Cassidy. Start working on it. Just kidding. Yeah, I was just talking with her about it. <laughs> uh, she would be the person who would be leading the, the way on uh, on that matter. So, yes, it's very important uh, that this act was passed uh, to give her the option to go to court. Uh, she was ready to go to court on her own anyway on a defamation case uh, against Trump. Uh, and if you recall, when she first came out with the accusation, followed an article, I forget where the article was, uh, some magazine, uh, and uh, Donald Trump called her a liar, said it never happened. And then he said something, I'm paraphrasing, uh, paraphrasing uh, that um, she, she wasn't his type. That, that was the kind of typical Donald Trump joke. In other words, if he were her type, yeah, he might have raped her, but she's not my type. So what am I going to do? You know what I'm saying? Uh, and um, that didn't seem to, affect, well, obviously it didn't affect uh, uh, MAGA at all. They love him as, they, they probably loved him more for saying that, uh, Joanne. Yeah. Go ahead. But, what's, but, but, but he also got caught in his own web on that one. So in the video deposition that they did in preparation for this trial, he was shown a picture of E. Jean Carroll and asked, do you recognize this person? And he said, yeah, that's Marla. Marla, you know, his ex-wife, Marla Mabel. Well, no, it was Eugene Carroll. So this, the physical similarities were striking enough. Well, yeah, she was his type because even he mixed her up for his ex-wife, Marla. Um, he's also said that he had never met her. Of course, then they found a photo that they had met. Um, he's made a lot of claims about her that were easily disproven. Um, that video deposition, it sounds like it's going to be a part of this trial and it'll be really interesting to see how it plays. Um, it's being considered as an, as an important piece. The other thing that's important is that she contemporaneously told two friends about it at the time that it happened. And they are both going to be called as witnesses. We see this happen um, very commonly in cases like this where people who you told, who the survivor told about the, the assault or attack at the time um, that sort of evidence gets called up and is validating, particularly in cases where there isn't a police report or a DNA test. By the way, it's now occurring to me as I'm saying all of this that I didn't explain my own background in this on this issue, <laughs> which is why you asked me to come on uh, to talk about it, which is that I, I do uh, represent uh, and have represented a number of Me Too survivors and victims um, basically since 2018, a number of high-profile high cases as a communications consultant or publicist helping survivors navigate this situation. So when I say we see this often, what I mean is those of us who kind of work in this space and operate in this space and interact with survivor, survivors and the criminal legal system and, uh, and related venues see stuff like this a lot. 
All right, we'll get into uh, some of the, the counterattacks uh, that Trump and his lawyer uh, have uh, been throwing at uh, uh, E. Jean Carroll. Uh, first, the legal end of it before we get to the actual... Uh, no, let's go with the other one. And this gets right into what you were just talking about, uh, advising uh, people who have been assaulted or, or raped, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, on the stand, she's being cross-examined over the last two days by Trump's lawyer, uh, Joseph uh, Takapina, and... Uh, uh, he's making great issue of the fact uh, that she did not scream. This took place in a dressing room uh, in a uh, department store in New York City. Uh, and uh, he, Takapina is making, he says to her, did you scream? She goes, no, I didn't scream. And then he keeps going, you didn't scream. You didn't scream. I like to make a, a big point about that. And she said, I'm doing this from memory, Joanna. Just because I didn't scream doesn't mean I was raped. Uh, and uh, talk about the whole issue of like the notion that she would lose credibility because she didn't scream uh, when Donald Trump was uh, raping her. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the, the screaming question was the most stark of these. But what you saw in the cross-examination yesterday was basically the classic playbook for discrediting rape survivors. Um, they tried every trick in the book. Um, so including that moment, but also, you know, numerous efforts to sort of intimidate her, make her look stupid make her look like her story was made up to sell books. Um, I read this this particular anecdote, which I thought was just very interesting. The very beginning of the of the day, the Trump lawyer, Joe Tacopino, who seems like, you know, a real winner, a uh, real great guy. Joe Tacopino started, good morning, Miss Carroll. She did not respond in kind, but instead remained silent, which was appropriate as there was not a question pending. Mr. Tacopino visibly perturbed, raised his voice and repeated, good morning, Miss Carroll. At that point, she finally responded, good morning. I'm reading from the Daily Beast recap of this, by the way. But there are numerous instances. So yes, there was that, well, you didn't even scream moment, which, you know, we've heard things like this often. Very often people who are being raped don't scream. And it's often a thing that gets used to say, well, if it was so bad, why didn't you even scream or yell or make a noise or say anything? People freeze in this situation very commonly, actually. Uh, so we see that all the time. That does not, that's not evidence that someone hasn't been raped, but he, you can see the road he's going down. It's, it was every old school, um, trick in the book. As I'm reading the recap of this, they have a strategy to paint her as, um, somebody who's doing this for political reasons, somebody who's doing this to sell books. And the truth is, it seems as though what's happened, what actually happened is in 2019, she became finally ready to tell her story. A lot of people during that time period were finally ready to tell their story. She wasn't the only one. There was a whole movement. Um, and, you know, so this is, this is what we're seeing, but they're, they're still using that as a way to discredit people, even all these years later. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, then there's all, uh, uh, the tactics uh, outside the courtroom uh, that Donald Trump has employed to delay this case, to undercut this case, to try to get it thrown out. Uh, we've had many conversations uh, with uh, attorney Jim Coogan about this. I won't reiterate them all. Uh, but one thing that Trump has done, not just in this case, but in previous cases, he takes it public. Uh, and he assails and assaults uh, on his social media page. Uh, in this case, E. Jean Carroll, uh, her attorney, the uh, the and the presiding judge, that's just in this case. Of course, he's done that in the case uh, about the hush money to Stormy Daniels with Alvin Braggs, who's the district attorney in Manhattan. This is standard operating procedure from Donald Trump. Uh, 
on the eve of the trial, Judge Kaplan uh, told both sides, no public comments. We'll keep it uh, here in the court. And he made a point, Joanna. This is how it's like they bend over backwards for Trump. So Eugene Carroll hadn't been going on social media blasting Trump. She has not been calling attention. To the, she's been like, this is her moment. She's going to deal with this court case. But he made a point of like saying both sides, like both sides were guilty. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, like neither of you do this. Uh, within a day, Donald Trump had violated that order. He had gone online to blast her. And, and so then the judge was forced the next day to sell uh, 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 Tacopina. This time I really mean it. Tell your client to be quiet. And Tacopina's like, I, I can't control him, Your Honor. I can't control my client. But I'll try. I, I Just please talk about that, the, the attempt to bully just to use MAGA, like the MAGA hordes out there, to bully uh, E. Jean Carroll and her lawyer. Go ahead. You know, I hate to say this, but in preparation for this very interview, because I like to be prepared, Ben, I went on Spotify and I looked up some of the right-winger podcasts about this topic and started listening to them. Um, though the, the attacks on her are so appallingly offensive that I thought it was satire. I was like, this can't be a real thing. I looked it up to make sure the thing I was listening to was real. Their jokes uh, along the lines of, well, how can anybody claim to even be, you can't even tell me whether someone's a man or a woman anymore. How can you tell me whether someone's been raped or not? Like they are going really far down this road of using this as a, a way to attack survivors, a way to attack women, a way to attack trans folks who have like really aren't part of this particular story. Um, so there are, uh, not surprisingly, the MAGAs are going to take this to the worst place possible. It's what they do. The, so that's, you know, par for the course. Eugene Carroll's a tough lady. Uh, she's not going to back down. She's not going to be intimidated. But will it have, it's, desired effect which is a chilling effect on other survivors who are watching her and saying well maybe now it's my time maybe i can do it too if this lady can do it i can do it too um remember that the, she's not the only survivor who has come forward and accused donald trump of sexual assault there's what is it 26 there are 26 uh allegations against him um this is the first one that he's really facing in this context but they are aware that this could be opening a barn door that they really don't want to open. So they're going to make it as difficult for people as possible and as terrifying for people as possible. It's not just about Trump's victims. It's also about survivors of other assailants all over the country who are watching this case and are deciding whether or not to come forward. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the, uh, the, with Donald Trump, uh, in 2016, running against uh, Hillary Clinton uh, for president, got caught on tape uh, bragging about how he, uh, quote unquote, grab, uh, feels free to grab women by the pussy, which, by the way, will be uh, an issue in this trial uh, because uh, E. Jean Carroll's attorney is essentially saying uh, Donald Trump put into practice what he bragged about uh, doing on that tape. Uh, but just so for the record, E. Jean Carroll had not come forth with uh, her allegations. So she wasn't even a name that people would have associated with Donald Trump's uh, behavior. 
there were other women that you just alluded to. When that video came out. When that video came out. And then what Donald Trump did to to divert attention from that was to gather the various women that uh, had claimed that Bill Clinton had assaulted them down through the years or sexually uh, harassed them. Uh, And he had a press conference and invited them to the debate with Hillary and put them right there, right in front of Hillary. Uh, And you and I have had so many conversations about the Clintons' behavior. I don't know if you recall, but we've had many conversations. But this is one where I don't, like, for once, I do not believe MAGA can credibly throw Bill Clinton up uh, at, at this moment. Because this has gone beyond anything uh, with Bill Clinton that I could think of uh, in terms of court testimony. Uh, and uh, listen, I didn't buy it back in 2016 as a justification for Donald Trump's behavior that Bill Clinton had done the same thing. Um, well, they're doing sort of the same song and dance now with Joe Biden with the allegations that you know, came up in 2020 against Joe Biden, or maybe it was 2019 against Joe Biden. You're hearing the MAGAs make like Joe Biden sniffed my jokes uh, at the expense of Eugene Carroll. There's really no bottom with these people and they'll, they'll draw false comparisons all day. Um, That's why the court of law is so interesting to me as a, as a context where this can get uh, litigated because now it's not just a media game. Now it's just not just who can be a bigger a-hole in the press or who can make some kind of false equivalency argument and try to kill the whole thing. There is a judge. There is precedent. There is a jury. This is going to be heard according to the criminal or the civil legal system. And it'll be very interesting to see how that deals with these issues as opposed to just the stuff that Trump can do all day, which is the circus tactics. We've watched him do it all masterfully for, for years. With There have been repercussions. He lost the election in 2020, but he's still running for president today, right now. All right. Well, let's talk about the political uh, repercussions for uh, at this moment, and um, as opposed to the specifics of the case. Uh, and uh, we began with sort of the conclusion that uh, none of, uh, no MAGA voter would switch his or her, there are very few. Uh, an insignificant number would switch allegiance away from Donald Trump because of this. So I work. I I know like uh, Dems have always thought, oh, this is the one. This is the allegation. This is the story. This is the river uh, that'll get MAGA to stop uh, bowing down to the altar of Trump. No, it doesn't work. MAGA loves Trump. They're going with him. They're sticking with him. What about the wider political audience beyond the MAGA cult? How does this story uh, influence them? Well, let me say two things about that. First of all, despite my, which is that this, is, this doesn't move MAGA voters away from Trump, the operation research operation, okay, opposition research operation is what I was trying to say, the opposition research operation against Trump, even if no one piece of it pulls him all the way down, is still churning and worthwhile to churn. It is useful for it to churn. Every cut against this guy and every time it can lead to some real action in the, in the, in the justice system, in the legal system, is worth pursuing. Um, that's how somebody with 
his level of complexity and cult following can be um, discredited fully. So it's still worth doing, even if it doesn't lead to the MAGA cultists to, to abandon him. But I do think, yes, uh, of course, a story like this, um, to me, what, what is more interesting about the E. Jean Carroll case is will it lead to other people, other survivors being, being willing to and able to come forward? And so one by one, as more and more of these stories start to add up and have credibility and be able to pursue justice through the system, um, that may lead voters to feel a different way about it, about it. Right now, they've made this argument about her that people who are looking for a reason not to believe her can accept wholesale anytime they want. If they're looking for a reason to not think she's a credible actor, they can say, well, look, she took this long to come forward. She's just a, you know, gossip columnist, star effer, and, you know, this is just for her to sell her book. Anybody who wants to believe that storyline can believe it anytime they want. There, there's enough there that they can believe it. It's not, I don't believe it. I don't think it's what happened. I, I think it's pretty clear. There's a lot of evidence in this case. And there's a whole Trump deposition that's going to be, that's on video that folks are going to see. And there's two contemporaneous witnesses who were told about it at the time. You know, there's, there's a lot here to make it a pretty substantial legal case. I'm not a lawyer. I'm just reading on the internet, but like, that's what I understand to be the case. Um, so to me, it's more, it's like, will E. Jean, by creating space for herself, also create space for others and help build this in a much broader way for people to start to say, okay, at this point, we can't ignore this anymore. Well, I, uh, I believe she uh, will be vindicated. Uh, I'm making a prediction here, uh, and this is just based on obsessively following the case so far. Uh, I think she's been a very credible witness. I think she uh, has held up to uh, uh, Tecopina's efforts to uh, break her on the stand, uh, and Tecopina has uh, irritated the hell out of the judge uh, in the case, so he's kind of made himself a nuisance. I can't believe that's going well with the jury. Again, the jury is what matters uh, in this particular case. Uh, and uh, once their verdict is delivered, and e- uh, even if it's fair to E. Jean Carroll, I presume that Trump will be doing all kinds of uh, appeals to try to avoid having to, um, to pay or to face any consequence for it. Uh, but I do believe it'll have a positive impact on two fronts. One, uh, the effort to defeat Donald Trump at the polls, uh, two, uh, by the Democrats. I don't think it'll prevent Trump from getting the nomination. Uh, and two, to your point, I do believe uh, it. Look, women could see what Eugene Carroll has gone through and what she survived. Uh, and if they have compelling stories to tell, too, if, they, if it happened to them, I think they will come forward because of this. I do believe that there will be some women who come forward because of this. Go ahead. I hope so. I mean, this guy is clearly a serial, a serially violent person. You don't do this once and never do it again. It's pretty clear. Well, and we know there are 26 pretty credible allegations out there against him. There's also something that I think I heard someone else note that I think is important to note, which is that this adult survivors act in New York is, is pretty revolutionary, but there are lots of survivors who don't have the wherewithal or the means or the, you know, legal representation or maybe they can't sue for other reasons um, because they're too still too scared or or whatever. There, 
there's got to be always an eye to the voices that we're not hearing and stories like this. Um, and I, somebody else lifted that up. And I think it's important to say in every conversation we have about this, there are always survivors and we can pass the most forward looking laws. And there's always going to be holes in it where we don't capture everyone. We don't sweep in everyone. And we've got to do more. So I just want to name that E. Jean Carroll is a, is a famous person with some resources. And so she was able to take on this level of risk and able to step up and do this thing. And we should applaud her for it. It was bold and and really brave of her. And there are also people who probably can't do the same. Uh, yeah. And there was a case in California. We talked a lot about Harvey Weinstein uh, uh, back when he was first revealed uh, to be abuser. But I, there was a similar Adult Survivors Act uh, in California, and uh, he was put on trial. It was a very important trial. That was during the period where you were canceled from the Ben Jarofsky show, so you didn't come on to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> that was a joke, Joanna. Uh, but I've been canceled. Uh, <laughs> um, she was canceled, yes. Uh, but uh, it was a, it was a, an important trial because he his his conviction in New York was under appeal, and if he lost in Cali, there was a chance that he might walk. Uh, and uh, uh, it was a successful prosecution of uh, Harvey Weinstein in California. Uh, all right, uh, let's uh, move from this uh, particular topic and close with uh, this other topic that I would die to talk to someone about. So anybody who knows Joanna knows she's a diehard Bulls fan, even though at the moment she's not wearing a Bulls hat. It's not required. Come on the Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, and uh, so I've been wanting to ask you this. On Wednesday, a couple days ago, great game in Milwaukee. Heartbreaking loss for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Jimmy Butler, the former Bulls, put on another sensational show. Uh, Miami defeated the Bucks by one point in an overtime game and won the series four games to one. Uh, and in the aftermath, Giannis, who is the superstar, great player, I love him to death, is my favorite uh, player who's not on the Bulls, and uh, almost enough to make me uh, a uh, Bucks fan, almost be the key word, um, uh, was asked by an inquiring reporter, uh, does he feel like a failure? Uh, and Giannis went on a great riff, in my humble opinion. I've been sending it to so many people. Really, listen to what Giannis said. Because essentially Giannis's theme was that you can't judge success or failure by the outcome of a game, uh, by a final score. It's like our, like our whole life we live. We live our whole life for greater purposes than whether you win or lose a game. Uh, and it's how you live your life and how you go about your life and how you're always trying to do the best you can and be the best person you can be. And then he challenged the reporter, like, think about your own life. Did you get a promotion this year? No. Well, are you, are you a failure? I think he loved him, but he like pinned this guy, you know? Uh, and then, you know what, Joanna, it was clear. Giannis goes, you asked me this question last year when the Bucks lost in the playoffs. And I'm like, oh my God, for a year, Giannis has been waiting for his opportunity to like tell this guy, you know what I mean? And uh, I, I'd love your thoughts about this and also get you to apply what he said uh, to the political uh, world where you've had candidates who've lost that you've worked for and you've had candidates who have won. Uh, so take it away, Joanna. Okay, I have a couple thoughts. First of all, I'm not wearing a Bulls hat today. I do own, this year for my birthday, three different people gave me Bulls hats. Not kidding. So I have a wide array. Next time I'll, I'll bring one. Um, I did not find that loss to be heartbreaking. I was pleased. So 
that's my second comment. How can you, how anyone can root against Jimmy Butler in this moment? You are, if you're rooting against Jimmy Butler today, knowing what we know now, you're probably a terrible person and I probably hate you. (laughs) Okay. Finally. And he's a former bull, obviously, but also like, let's be clear the Bucks. I I love Giannis too, but the Bucks have sort of leaned into and enjoyed being bullies at times. They've enjoyed being the, the jerks. Let's not forget they have their boy, Grayson Allen, who's out here just like accosting people left and right with no recourse. So there's some issues there on that organization. So I was not heartbroken to see them lose. By the way, to a, to a play-in team, you know, they were the Bucks were supposed to be able to go possibly even all the way this year. So, okay. My ranting about the Bucks aside, I'm still mad about the Alex Caruso incident. I thought his statement, I thought Giannis' statement was incredibly eloquent. As a publicist, and you as a reporter will probably appreciate this from a slightly different angle, which was that he was, some people said, well, why did he attack the reporter? I thought there was an intimacy in the conversation with that beat, he's a Bucks beat reporter, the guy, his name is like Eric, Eric Neem or something like that. I thought that he was able to kind of like get into that. I didn't think it was hostile. I think he sort of had a rapport with the guy and you could tell that he had a rapport with the guy. So I thought that was quite interesting, first of all. But then you get to the substance of what he said. And you're exactly right. Um, you know, he lifts up the example of Michael Jordan saying Michael Jordan played uh, 15 seasons. He got six championships, whereas other nine years, a failure. No one would say such a thing. And he's absolutely right. Um, in politics, yes, there is a parallel. We see people run for office several times before winning. Sometimes they get branded as perennial candidate and then they win and you're like, Okay, well, I guess they're, I guess they were onto something. Um, so his point is, you're building towards something. Um, it's not always that you have to win every game or every every championship in order to be viewed as a success in your career. I mean, you could certainly look at a guy like Chris Paul, who has never won a championship, and uh, Chris Paul from the Phoenix Suns, who's never won a championship. No one's going to call Chris Paul a failure. He's an all-time great. I mean, some some people may because he's never gotten a ring. Could say the same about Damian Lillard. I mean, one of the arguably best players in the league. Uh, again, an all-time great. The Portland Trailblazers are not in the playoffs right now. Um, so I really liked what he said. I thought it was a very mature, emotionally mature response. Uh, you know, if you don't know about Jan's background as an immigrant from Greece and his history, uh, I highly recommend you know reading up on him because it's a pretty inspirational story. Um, but yes, he demonstrated a degree of emotional intelligence that you don't hear every day from professional athletes. And then it did, of course, some people had to be naysayers. There are some, there was some backlash. I saw some commentators on ESPN and such saying, well, yeah, it was a failure. Your team failed. You should have won that game. And you literally failed by the definition of failure. You failed. So it also sparked a lot of dis- debate and discourse in the sports world. Uh, that was, I think, worth having. Well, I... You know, uh, by the way, let's just, I cannot let the Alex Caruso thing pass. Oh, God. Uh, Don't get me started on this. Yeah, a year ago, uh, uh, Grayson Allen, who's this totally worthless bum who plays for the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, assaulted, in my opinion. Violently. Alex Caruso, while he was going in for a dunk, uh, caught him in midair, knocked him to the ground. And uh, when he fell, Alex Caruso uh, broke his wrist. Uh, and I think in many ways that torpedoed the Bulls' champion, uh, chances. He was never quite the same. The team was 
had also its problems with Lonzo Ball. So as a Bulls fan, I, Mick Dumkey accuses me of being having an unfair bias to Grayson Allen. Mick likes to pretend he's fair, objective on everything. Uh, and uh, But I do. I feel like, and the Bucks, their PR staff gave him the game ball, like, you know, in the day after. They, they're a disgrace. So I'm with Terrible. you. Terrible. 100%. Outrageous. And I absolutely love the fact, we're totally on a tangent here, sports fans, but when they... You got me going on Grayson Allen, though, but so that's on you. The beauty of that loss, if you, if there's a beauty, they all kind of panicked in that final 10 seconds, including the coach, who didn't call a timeout, and Giannis brought the ball up to court and saw Jimmy Butler. He didn't want to take the shot. He passed it. He, I think he passed it to Drew Holiday. He didn't want to take the shot. He passed it to Chris Middleton. He didn't want to take the shot. He passed it. It ended up with Grayson Allen, who should the last guy to take the shot. He's like the worst guy in the court, but they're all afraid to take the shot. Why? Because if you take the shot and you miss it, then you're a loser. You're a failure, which gets in the heart of that idiotic reporter's question. I shouldn't say that. That reporter's idiotic question. And so, um, yes, I apologize. Uh, and, um, and then, uh, of course, uh, Grayson Allen was afraid to shoot. He dribbled around until the clock was up. I know. He's zero-stepping <laughs> with 0.5 seconds ago or whatever. Anyway, I was not sad to see them lose the game. I think that was karma. But I always am going to, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for Giannis, I think. And I have a lot of respect for Drew Holiday and some of the other players on that team. I think they're not all jerks. They're just also a culture that has enabled this one really bad guy, and I don't like that. Yes, they, they were enablers in that case. Uh, and the heartbreak I was alluded to was the heartbreak that Giannis must have been feeling at that moment when he confronted the question when he was confronted with the question by the reporter about whether he felt like a failure. So on top of everything else, what do you want Giannis to say? Yes, I'm a total failure. My life means nothing. Please throw stones at me. Throw rocks at me. I mean, that's why I thought it was that uh, it, it was just a question. It was like, come on, man. Well, I, you know what? He, he could ask the question. I think the reporter is entitled to ask the question without it being assumed that he even agrees with the premise of the question. He's asking to give him the opportunity to say what he thinks about that. Do you think that that's a failure? I wasn't offended by the question. I, th I was glad that he asked it so that so that Giannis could address it. People were obviously going to spend the next several months in the offseason saying the Bucks are a failure break them up, get rid of the coach, whatever. So give him, ask him the question that people are going to be saying behind his back and let him address it. I don't have a problem with the reporter doing that. People are ascribing, I'm not saying you, some people are ascribing motive to the reporter. We don't know that guy or what he was thinking in the moment. I, yeah, I, I have no idea. I don't even know the guy's name. I, I know his first his name. His name is Eric Neem. I looked him up. N-E-H-M. I might be saying it wrong. Okay. He's uh, a Bucks beat reporter. Okay, he's a Bucks beat reporter. And he obviously... And, because Giannis calls him Eric, so he knows the guy. Uh, and they, uh, I, I put it, I, I was thinking in terms of politics. Uh, I have many conversations along these lines, but I had him with a person who is pretty sophisticated as po uh, in politics. I'm not naming names, no matter how you, you ask me. I'm not going to tell you who this person is. This person will remain anonymous, okay? Uh, I will do gender, he, okay? There you go. Uh, and, uh, because uh, so it was before the um, uh, the first round, okay. And so I was asking this person uh, who he was going to vote for, uh, and he eliminated a bunch of candidates, uh, uh, Joanna, and he narrowed it down. Uh, 
I think he narrowed it down to uh, Lori Lightfoot and Paul Vallis. And he said, because I want to vote for a winner. I don't want to vote for a loser. In other words, uh, whoever, all the other candidates wouldn't win. And I just like, dude, what are you saying? That's the stupidest reason I've ever heard for voting for a candidate. Like, what do you care if your candidate loses? It's not like it's not like if Lori Lightfoot wins, she knows you voted for her. She's going to pick up your garbage or something. I mean, there's no special favors you're going to get if Paul Vallis wins and you voted for him. You vote for whoever you want to vote for. I don't understand. Like, it's the kind of same mentality, dividing the world into losers and winners. And I want to be with a winner. And if you don't win, then you're a loser, a failure, even if you're like the greatest basketball player of the 21st century. Um, it also doesn't make any sense as a, as a voting strategy because it <laughs> removes your own values out of the entire equation. But that's a different question for whoever that man is. And I'm not surprised it was a man. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, anyway, I just had to share that with you. Yeah, it was, but you get my point. It's like a lot of people have this notion in the back of their minds that there's losers and winners and they want to be with the winner, even if they don't agree with the winner, you get what I'm, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's sports and just like in sports and politics, uh, as I've often, when people have been calling, reaching out to me, which I appreciate, you know, post-election, obviously I was on team life, just to check in how you doing? And what I always say is, look, like, I am a professional. I like to win. I like to win, of course. But it's also a democracy and you don't win every time in elections. It's just, it's just not generally how democracy works. And I think the same is true in sports. Sports is not a democracy, but it's sports. Of course, you're not going to win every game. Of course, you're not going to win every season. You do your best. You act as a professional if you're a professional like he is uh you hustle hard when you make a mistake you own it uh the yes here we are uh by the way i will share this one last quote with you before we go very similar quote from someone who was on the opposite side in the last election which she was all asked on the show emma ty she goes she goes ben i play to win and i just thought that was <laughs> coming from a lefty uh ben i play to win that's something i usually hear from lefties uh Anyway, all right, Joanna Klonsky, uh, thank you uh, um, for coming on the show. Uh, you're welcome for me on canceling you, even though you really were never canceled. Uh, and um, uh, I look forward to bringing you back for more conversation, particularly on the Trump front. You're one of the few people I know who <laughs> I keep saying this, but it, like cares about this issue. I just find it. Upsetting I think people will levels. start to pay more attention and care more as it goes on. Yeah. I hope you're right. I find it upsetting. I was going to say on many levels uh, that the leading candidate for the nomination for the Republican Party uh, is a rapist. That's, yeah. And uh, MAGA, MAGA may not believe it, but there's a lot of Republicans out there who are not MAGA. So you guys got to step up, you know. No, I don't know. About I'm it. sure they're listening to your show and taking your <laughs> advice, Ben Jarosky. <laughs> Thanks for, I should all use your call. They're really That's looking hilarious. for guidance from the likes of you. <laughs> yeah, there's no self-respecting Republican anywhere near this show. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. All right, Joanna, enjoy the rest of your weekend, all right? All right, that's Joanna Klatsky. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. 